This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lindsay McCall from Jupiter, Florida. And this is Diane Castema from Arroyo Grande, California. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you this week by the United States Paraquestrian Association with the support of EquityMFG.com. And we also have our producer, Glenn, with us. Hi, guys. Hello. Diane, I Hi. love name, town names in California. You have the coolest sounding names of towns, and you live in one of them. That's right. I live halfway between L.A. and San Francisco on the Central Coast, and I am sitting in a fog bank, and it is 62 degrees right now. Oh, maybe not so much then. I take it all back. (laughs) I like the temperature. I don't know. It's a little hot here. That temperature sounds wonderful. I, I drive my horses every day in of the year in a sweatshirt. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I never have lovely. to go. I have. I never have to go heavier. I never have to go lighter. Yeah, it is oh, kind of right wonderful. there in the middle of those two cities. Is kind of almost the perfect spot, isn't it? Yes, absolutely gorgeous. And I don't even have flies because we always have the coastal breeze. Okay, now we just oh. hate you. So just yeah, yeah, I'm sure now we're all jealous. <laughs> yeah, <so. that's> right. <laughs> maybe, maybe in September when we're all burning up under flames or something. Yeah, that's true. You do have that problem and the whole earthquake thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Makes driving more fun when the earth's moving. I know, I did. We actually felt an earthquake the other day. I was sitting on my bed reading the newspaper and drinking coffee, and my mom said, was that an earthquake? And I said, well, I don't know, the bed moved. (laughs) (laughs) And before we get on with the rest of the show, I just wanted to remind everybody that Reese and Philip will be back again next week, as always, so look for them then. All yours, Lindsay. Sure. So, Diane, thank you for coming on the show as my co-host. And for for those out there who do not know Diane, Diane is a paraquestrian driver. She competes around the world, and she was actually on the para driving team in 2012. So, so what's kind of going on with you lately, Diane? Well, I've been busy showing my pair when I've competed at the World Championships. It's always with a single horse, and I have a pair of Welsh cobs, and I compete with them at the advanced level here in the western half of the U.S. And I'm also vice president of United States Driving for Disabled, and I've been really working hard on getting more paraquestrian drivers into driving, and we've been doing a series of clinics. And our next, we did one in California in March, and we will be doing one August 10th and 11th in New Jersey. Nice. And what was the participation like in Um, the one in California? Yeah, in the one in California, it was great. We had clinicians, uh, myself and Hardy Zanke and Jody Cutler, and they are both uh, ADS and USCF judges, and Hardy is an uh, international judge and paraquestrian international judge in driving also. And I was thinking, oh, we'll have three or four people, and we had nine people come to the clinic, and we offered a try it and see if you like it where – if there was a peri-equestrian rider who wanted to come and say, hey, maybe I want to do driving, we put them in a carriage and handed them the reins, and we had them doing a dressage, and we had them do a hazard, and we had them do cones, and they were introduced <laughs> to the sport of combined driving. And maybe they only did it at a walk, but we had Hardy say, no, 
51 seconds, you can do it faster. And he did. And little, and then someone was done and they said, wow, I can do this sport. And so they were so excited. And, um, I was, it was just great. We had great feedback and where the clinic is open to everyone and it's free to our paraquestrians. Yes, it's free, everybody who wants to come. <laughs> Please come. That's right. Well, and, if I know. <laughs> and if you've got your own horse and carriage, bring them, and the stabling is free. And we are going to, in August, we have Sarah Schmidt, who has represented the U.S. Uh, multiple times in the Pony World Championships. And so she is there as our main clinician, along with. Um, Myself, I will be there, and then Ann Miles of the Carriage Barn, who really works a lot with the disabled and driving, and it is hosted at uh, Celtic Charms Horsemanship, Therapeutic Horsemanship Program in New Jersey, and they're donating the use of the facility, so we're very excited. We've even talked Hope Hand into coming to the clinic. I was so. just going to say, she's <laughs> been talking about it like crazy. We were in the hotel all week in California for a CPEDI three-star, and she was like, oh, I'm excited. I'm going to be a paradriver. So I think it's great. There's some crossover happening. So we're having paradriver riders going right into paradriving. <laughs> That's right. Well, and it's nice to just, you know, have the opportunity or at least to even just share knowledge back and forth. So yeah, and I really you think, can go I think it's so awesome. much. You can go so much faster in driving, and if you have that need for speed, <laughs> that, that, that's what I like, so. <laughs> and as a as a para driver, tell us about your classification. Why you're classified where you are? I am in para driving. There's grade one and grade two, and grade one is the most disabled and basically is wheelchair users uh, that are not ambulatory. Um, and I'm a grade one. I'm paralyzed and in, in a wheelchair. And then your grade two um, drivers would be not as disabled, um, oftentimes it, maybe you're missing a limb, an arm, or just disabled a little bit. In, mm-hmm. uh, and mostly arms and a little bit on the, the legs for driving, for holding yourself into the carriage. It's a little bit different than the riding with the mm-hmm. way the classification is because, yes, you're, you are sitting in a carriage which can give you support uh, mm-hmm. a little better than on the back of a horse. And you just you just had a show, didn't you? I mean, I shouldn't say didn't you. I knew you had a show. We tried to get together all week in California. How did how did the show go for you last? Oh, week? that was for a great food? show. It was the summer festival CDE in Wilton, California, and we actually had three paraquestrian drivers competing there. Um, I was actually, uh, and we were competing in amongst the able-bodied drivers, and it was in different levels. We had Jenny Leal, who was competing at training level single horse with um, her halflinger, which she won her class, which was very exciting. And she, you might have seen her over at your dressage show because she went over to get classified, and Mm -hmm. so she would be a grade two driver. So we're very excited about that since we have another driver in our pool of drivers. And then um, Bev White, who's president of United States Driving for Disabled, was competing intermediate uh, with her pony, and she came in third. And then I was actually the only advanced entry, therefore you would think I would have won my class, but (laughs) unfortunately my young horse in my pair 
uh, was so good on the marathon, and he acquired a really bad boot rub from his boot, oh. and so he was slightly off on Sunday, and so we the vet um, said no go. So we we went oh. we were all harnessed up and ready to go and back to the barn. But um, that was great, and actually uh, earlier this year in May, and um, we had five paraquestrian drivers competing in uh, Woodland at the Vineyard Classic CDE. And there again, we had one at training and we had two at preliminary and one at intermediate and one at advanced. And that was uh, Jenny, Bev, and myself. And we also had Tracy Bowman, who is actually a top eventing trainer and just came back from Germany because Mm -hmm. they're trying to qualify for the WEG and eventing. And she's a coach and trainer. And so she's kind of one of these cross cross discipline people. And um then we had Stephanie Putnam who's a quadriplegic who mm-hmm. competed and so she did very well and came in second in her division. And that were five drivers and none of us were competing against each other. And then we wow. just had a quadriplegic driver, Sarah Saint Peters competed at Beaumont in Canada this last weekend, and she won her division with training single horse. She just got a new new horse, and this was her first full complete event. So, yeah, and then you have the the World Championships in 2014 coming, huh? Yes, we do, and we hope to hear next week, the first week of July, the FEI meets, and they will choose who will um, host the World Championships. And two bids have been put in. One is Sandringham, uh, England, and there's actually an event going on this weekend there. And Boots Wright, our chef, who was our chef to keep at the World Championships last year, is a judge there. So we've told her to scout the facility and let us know and see if she can round up horses if it's there. And the other uh, location is in Germany, and I cannot pronounce the name, so I'm not going to try. And it that that event would be um, if they get it, it would be in September, and it would be the weekend before the World Singles Driving Championships, mm. which would be kind of a back-to-back event for the facility. So uh, both locations are exciting, and what's even more exciting is that uh, two countries have put in bids to host the World Championships. Kevin is the strategic officer for the Devonwood Equestrian Center in Sherwood, Oregon. His family's very involved up there with their dressage shows, and he's also been very involved with the para-dressage, and one of those shows that he was the show secretary for was the Paralympic Selection Trials and National Championships in 2012. So we're excited to kind of talk to him a little bit about show management, show secretary, and everything else he's done. Reese, Phillip, and I have been raving about our EquityMFG.com manure forks over the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure a lot of you are saying, oh, they're just saying that because they're paid to. Well then, let's hear from some other people about what they think. Here is Flex and Fork user Eric Bates, Pasifino owner from Kentucky, on their sturdiness. I've been using the Flex and Fork for almost a year now. I looked it up on the internet as being a quality-made fork, and that's what I was looking for. I had already replaced two or three, you know, the manure forks that you would get at a farm supply store, and I wanted something of, of good quality that would last, and this, this has just been more than I could ever ask for. With the shaken fork, you save time and money by just using this motorized fork every day. Here is Leslie from Horse Nation on how much bedding she is saving using the shaken fork. 
It really does. It, it um, helps you sift through, you know, so you're not throwing out as much. I think uh, uh, equity says that it, the forks um, probably save you a dollar a stall uh, per day in, in between bedding saves and labor, you know, uh, time you're saving, and, and I, I believe them for sure. And then there is our terrific listener, Aubrey, who cleans barns for a living on how much time she saves with the shaken fork. It's funny because you have to kind of slow down when you do it just because you have to let the fork shake for a second. And so it kind of took me a little while to say, okay, just slow down because I tend to do them a little manically anyway just because I have so many to do. But you do them faster. Even, even though you're physically moving slower, you're doing the stalls faster. But a couple yeah. of the barns that I do use sawdust, and it's amazing how fast I can go through those barns. And it's pretty much cut down half, and I'm using so much less shaving, so it's going to end up uh, saving a bunch of people a bunch of money of the barns that I do. Okay, you have heard them. It's not just Jamie and I saying this. What are you waiting for? Go to EquityMFG.com and get yours today. EquityMFG.com. You will thank us every single day. Hi, Evan. It's so nice to have you on the show today, and I wanted to introduce you to Diane. You probably don't know her very well, but she's one of our para drivers. Excellent. Hi, Diane. Nice to be here. Hi, Evan. Well, and Evan, I've known you for a couple years now. You've been very involved with the dressage affair out there in Del Mar, California. Mm-hmm. And you're you're also very involved at home with Devonwood, which is your family's facility. And you guys do a lot of dressage shows. And kind of, I guess, tell us a little bit about you so we can get to know you better. Uh, sure. So uh, first off, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, our family's business. So Devonwood Equestrian Center is our family-run uh, farm out here in Sherwood, Oregon. Uh, for anybody that's uh, geographically challenged, uh, we are below Washington, above California. Uh, so uh, most people, I think a lot of people aren't uh, as keen on dressage um, as when they think about Oregon um, in general for dressage, but uh, we're kind of the up-and-coming stable, if you will, um, as far as shows go, uh, we've recently kind of diversified from a uh, dressage show facility um, and started experimenting with some uh, different disciplines. So uh, the facility started out for the first uh, 12 years, essentially only doing uh, dressage training and uh, and running shows. And then just in these past couple of years, we started uh, doing uh, jumping shows uh, and inviting uh, some of the other disciplines of equestrian sport uh, into the facility to kind of see what uh, those things are like and, and to see uh, if we can't attract some more equestrian sport in the Pacific Northwest. So that's wonderful. I know you guys have been really growing. That's wonderful. And and then you personally, with you being so involved with, with the dressage shows, not only in Devonwood, but also down in Del Mar, gosh, you've, you've held so many roles that I know that you're the person I come to at shows and say, can you help me with this? <laughs> so <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you've been involved with, with, with that and then with para dressage as well. For sure. So, um, well, it kind of started, I, I've got a twin brother for anyone that doesn't know, and he and I uh, originally kind of started the, um, the volunteering at, uh, at all the horse shows that my sister used to compete at, uh, which is kind of where uh, my my various hat wearing uh, skills started uh, evolving so uh, essentially back in about 1999 um, my sister was just starting her show career uh, and my brother and I used to end up uh, wandering around the, the showgrounds at many of the uh, events that she was participating in 
And we were always looking for something to do. And a lot of times there would be some incentive for, you know, whatever we could participate in uh, doing as, as a volunteer. So uh, running be kind of uh, kind of became our, our typical go-to job, which uh, for those not involved in dressage is just the running of tests from the judges' stand back to the show office so that they can be scored and uh, calculated and, and then placed. Uh, so we kind of started out with uh, just doing uh, just basic jobs, and then we worked our way up. So we started announcing shows, and then my brother kind of became the go-to announcer, uh, which is where he's kind of landed now at, at most shows. And I uh, landed in scoring and uh, kind of ran with that and uh, really kind of uh, developed my passion for how fast we could get scores out the door uh, and and uh, to see what technical challenges we could overcome as far as uh, building uh, results platforms that uh, could accommodate the systems that we're working with uh, today to handle um, the management of our of our shows. That's what I said when I go to him at the horse show, especially in Del Mar, when I see him there, I'm like, hey, Evan, can you get me this? And he's like, here you go. Hey, Evan, Evan, do you know where the, I can get a ride to this? And he's like, yeah, go uh-huh. right that. That's the goal. <laughs> and we're tra- that person. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the goal is, you know, and that's kind of my passion now for as far as my work with uh, Devin Wood goes, is uh, we're, we're working on building um, a couple of more centralized systems that uh, the equestrian uh, the equestrian sport at large can can use to to access uh, services that are that are more pivotal at uh, at the events that they're participating in. So you know, dressage is our primary you know our primary concern uh, when we're when we're building some of our tools out that we're working on now. But uh, we are looking at kind of the bigger picture um, to say you know to our fellow equestrians, if you will, you know what can we do for you to make this sport. Um, better as a whole, you know, on the technical front, and how can we make it easier to participate in, and and you know, get back to enjoying, you know, the the sport itself as opposed to you know, dealing with you know paper-based uh, entry forms and all the and all the craziness that surrounds the show office of the somewhat uh, tedious tasks that go into actually getting to getting on your horse. <laughs> And, you know, I, I wanted to, I know Kim Keenan and you guys have worked together for a while down in the dressage affair um, in yeah. Del Mar. And I, I'd like to go back to that and kind of talk to, talk about that because you have seen paradressage go from, you know, this, I guess, this borrowed horses. And now we're actually using our own horses as part of the show. What have you right. seen with, with, with the paradressage coming in? Because that was new. That was brand new in Del Mar when you first saw it. What did you, what did you think you know, of that? Yeah, you know, um, I think when, when I first uh, saw uh, the competitors that were involved in, in para, um, I think, I think everybody, I, I myself, I was kind of caught off guard. You know, I think um, when I, my first exposure technically was uh, back when I was running um, a, a back-to-back CDI uh, at Kara Woodham's um, show facility that she uses up in, in Quebec. And um, and that was actually where I'd first seen uh, paraquestrian sport uh, actually, you know, going on. And um, and so when I saw it come down into California, when it when it came to the dressage affair, it was one of those um, those things. You know, I hadn't seen it. There was probably a four-year gap between when I originally saw it up in Canada, and then when uh, when I started seeing it coming down into California. Literally, one of the shows we were running. So you know, I was I was really in awe of the the personal challenges that they over that they overcame in order to you know get to the show, and then you know and then you know even the even just the process of preparing for a show there's a lot of mental 
uh, processes that even able-bodied uh, riders go through uh, for, you know, getting on their horse and then, you know, prepping for, for their ride and then actually getting in their ring and, and doing it all. And to, you know, to add any, you know, personal challenges that they have, you know, going on top of that just kind of seems exceptional to me. You know, most of the riders that I've seen, you know, that have, that have participated in, in paraquestrian sport really have a, they have a, a lengthy story that kind of goes, uh, that goes along with their career. You know, maybe they were originally participating, you know, in able-bodied sport, you know, through equestrian uh, sport. Um, I know a couple of the riders that I saw um, in Gladstone last year uh, at the Festival of Champions, uh, there were a couple of people that were uh, competing there that had started their, you know, their their uh, affiliation with, you know, dressage in able-bodied, uh, in able-bodied dressage, and then had, you know, moved on to, to paraquestrian as, you know, as some challenge developed in their life. And they're, their willingness to kind of go, you know, on and, and embrace something that's very new in the sport. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people that have, there are a lot of people that have questions about, um, about how, how relevant they might be. And I think they're giving them a run for their money. I think they're, they're seeing more and more that, um, that paraquestrians are, are on an, on an equal, if not have much more working against them, you know, on, as far as the playing field goes. And I think that uh, that is kind of becoming uh, more true as the days roll on for for paraquestrian sport. So has um, do you think that it's been a good thing to include the paradressage with the regular able-bodied CDIs? You know, I mean, uh, that's not a question. Influence? Yeah, I was going to say that's not really a question I'm qualified to answer, but uh, I would definitely say that the um, that the the powers that be in in dressage sport are seeing more and more of a reason to to start. Including that they that you know in the in the creation of you know the the rules and policies that that govern sport in the U.S. and around the world, I think more and more we're starting to see that those people that are in charge of making the decisions in in our sport, um, I think they're starting to realize that that maybe there isn't such a big uh, divider that separates uh, paraquestrian from able-bodied sport. Um, because in in driving, I compete. I'm paralyzed, and I compete in the driving, and we. We just compete with everyone else in all of our classes in the carriage and sure. um, everything, and so we we don't quite have enough drivers yet to have our our separate classes, and so right. um, it's just I, it's been neat to watch the para dressage growing and being able to have their own classes at these various events. Definitely, I think definitely the um, the camaraderie between the the para equestrian and the and the able bodied riders is growing. Um, you know, I think it starts as a, you know, like most things, uh, most people uh, don't embrace what's different um, very easily. And I and I think it started as the uh, kind of the um, the idea that maybe they they both deserve their own separate spaces uh, in in equestrian sport. And and I think that's that's starting to that barrier is kind of starting to come down. You know, more and more as, as it's as it's gaining popularity, as we're seeing more riders. That are coming into that are coming into paraquestrian sport. Um, I think we're starting to realize that there doesn't, you know, we don't need this this uh, this you know barrier that has been basically created for us to separate, you know, paraquestrianism and, and able-bodied uh, equestrian riding. Diane, do you do you find it to be um, since you guys compete together? Do you guys find that driving that I guess that barrier isn't there so much, or how do you feel? 
Um, yeah, the barrier isn't really there. I mean, our biggest um, issue has been just, you know, when you go to a show, uh, letting the organizers and everything know that, you know, you're in a wheelchair and can you have a few accommodations? Um, mm-hmm. You need a stall that you can get your own horse in and out of or, you know, not the one that there's a step up. Um, the benefit to carriage driving, of course, is everything's on wheels. So so if you're in a wheelchair, <laughs> usually anything accessible to the carriages also works for the 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 wheelchair or – and so that's – you. But there's various rules that we've had to, like walking the course, because the driving is just like eventing where, you know, you're supposed to go out and walk the course and, you know, we can't physically mm-hmm. walk the courses. And so getting permission to use motorized vehicles and et cetera. But now uh, what's exciting to me is that there's enough drivers now that most of the organiz- organizers in the U.S. in driving have dealt with para-equestrians and are very open and most uh, most organizers and show secretaries are open if you let them know ahead of time i mean if you all of a sudden arrive and you're like and they have no idea you were coming um (laughs) you know they want to help they don't want to be put in an an embarrassing position like oh my god there's Mm -hmm. no handicapped porta potty anywhere near where we've stayed with you you know you know about that one yeah, <laughs> you know, you just put it there. The, the biggest compliment I got when I started showing was that um, a friend of mine, um, Hardy Zanke, that many know, and he just said to me once, he said, I love it that you come to the shows now, Diane. And I said, why? And he says, I love using that handicap. <laughs> 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 oh, I love that. They're only going to get one. That's what they get now or, you know, or whatever. And so it was pretty funny. I said, well, as long as I don't have to wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think from the Evan, I think from the yeah, organizer. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, from the organizer standpoint, I think it's equally kind of cool uh, to to get to that point now where, um, you know, for for me, it, I, I I know this just from my experience, just as you were describing, like the the accessible porta potties and and like the ramps for you know for getting on your horse or anything. Um, for you know for the trials last year. You know, we were we were looking at some you know serious challenges challenges based on the venue for um, for the trials, and um, and and the the number of times that I think we had to kind of become ambassadors, you know, uh, from the able-bodied perspective um, of becoming ambassadors for you know our our paraquestrians. I, I think it's it's good for the it's good for paraquestrianism to know that you know the able-bodied. Uh, riders and organizers are are all you know are all are all in joining this ambassador uh, position you know when we when we host events like this and so you know when we were doing things uh, you know in Del Mar and when I when I've done the when I just done the trials back in Gladstone those were both um, those were both venues that we you know did not have you know handicap accessible uh, venues that you know had things built in like ramps to get to the show office. Or you know, or the the accessible bathrooms, or even accessible roads that you know one could you know use a wheelchair on, and um, and I think the number of times now where we've looked at you know where we look at a venue now and we actually you know look at it and say what can we do to make this more accessible for all of our riders, and when we say all of our riders, we're really talking about you know our paraquestrians as well as our able-bodied riders. You know, how can we make the how can we make the show facility run smoother? You know, in the events that we do have, you know a number of paraquestrians that enter it for, you know, for dressage or for any other discipline that they're, that they're participating in. 
So, um, so Evan, kind of what's coming up for you in the in the next year personally? What are you going to be doing? I know you guys have Devonwood coming up, the Dressage show. For sure, yeah, we've got uh, Dressage Devonwood that's coming up uh, this July nineteenth to the twenty first, and um, and then after uh, after Dressage Devonwood is done uh, for the year, we have a couple other uh, contract shows that run at, at the facility, but uh, we're looking on uh, for two thousand fourteen of bringing on um, some new events that we haven't previously done, some new recognized shows. But uh, one of the things actually that we're, uh, we're starting to look at is the possibility uh, in these uh, next two years of running, um, of running a C-Petty or a, a para-equestrian uh, dressage uh, competition on the international level. So Devonwood oh, has, wow. yet to really, has, has yet to really spring forward and, and, and participate on the international scene uh, yet. Um, but it's primarily always been uh, our concern was that uh, we wouldn't have the riders coming from the various areas. You know, as as everybody in this conversation most likely knows, it's extremely expensive uh, as the organizer mm-hmm. to bring in the the officiating panel. Um, at least for dressage, I'm not sure what it is what's it, what it's like for uh, for driving, but uh, for dressage, the um, the the roster of who we have to have in order to to have a a CPEDI or a CPEDI rather. Um, to do something like what we had in, in Del Mar at the dressage affair um, would require bringing in, you know, international, you know, officiating bodies in order to, to get the FBI's permission to run the event. And, um, and I think it's something that we're starting to look at more and more because we're actually lucky enough to actually have uh, quite a few paraquestrian riders in Oregon and in the surrounding areas. So whereas for the able-bodied dressage riders, uh, it's been more of a challenge to um, to attract or to even you know feasible look at a, a look at running a CDI, um, a CPEDI um, is is actually uh, a little bit more promising in terms of the the number of people that we could bring in as far as riders go, um, you know, and, and running it in conjunction with a, a, a standard recognized show. So we're, you're starting to see if you're if you look at our at our uh, our our panel this year for Dressage of Devonwood, we've uh, increasingly started to offer um, paraquestrian classes. For uh, for example, we're we're offering a, a para freestyle class uh, this year at Dressage of Devonwood that we're hoping to get some participants for. So um, we're definitely uh, looking at that as as kind of one of the more developing uh, and promising aspects of of our business. So uh, paraquestrianism for us is actually in a, a kind of a target market for where we're where we're looking forward to really exciting. I know those on the West Coast will be excited to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking to Diane and I. I appreciate it. Definitely. It was my pleasure. Right after this commercial, we have our guest, Katie Cadwell. Uh, Katie Cadwell coached the 2012 Paraquestrian Driving Team in Breda, the Netherlands, last summer. She is the past coach and or chef to keep of the Paraquestrian Driving Team since in 2008, 4, 2, 1998. She has represented the U.S. in three World Pair Championships, and she and her sister Randy are owners of Tremont Farm in Southern Pines, North Carolina, where they train driving horses and drivers and are currently helping out with the uh, summer camp of the young drivers. Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. 
the way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. Hi, Katie. It's nice to meet you over the phone finally. I know a lot about you, and we're excited to talk to you. I was a little jealous because you've been on a couple other shows, so I had to have you on the Paraquestrian show as well. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here. And I wanted to tell you that I know I, I'm very involved with the paradressage world. I personally, I'm a hunter, hunter rider, and I also done dressage. But my mom has me navigating one of her CDEs coming up in the end of end of July. So <laughs> I haven't navigated in years. So I was I was very proud of that. I had to tell you that. <laughs> oh, you'll have lots of fun. I'm sure I will. It's a little Welsh pony, so I don't think I'll be, you know, too crazy. I think it'll be a very exciting time. Well, you never know. Sometimes the little ones can be quick. <laughs> yes, I know. I was just thinking the same thing. You'd be better off with a bigger one. <laughs> so, um, I, I was lost. Oh, sorry, Diane. Go ahead. I said, oh, well, we won't scare you. It'll be just fine. <laughs> Um, so, I, Katie, I want to kind of hear from you about how the World Championships went um, for the paraquestrian driving team over there. Because I know when we were in London, I would have loved to. It was the same week. It was the same week as para, the Paralympics. But you guys were showing over there with the with the big, the foreign hands and everything. And I know the para drivers were over there. So I'd love to hear from you how, how that all went. Yeah, it was a fantastic show. Breda is a great show. And, you know, the eventers were there also. So there was wow. eventing and dressage. Um, yeah. And so that's always fun when there's a lot here. But we had these great horses from Coast and Marie Durand and good equipment. And, you know, it gave everyone an opportunity to really show a big international show. So it, it makes it fun for everybody. And everybody, you know, learned a lot, I think. We had a relatively young team. There were two drivers who hadn't really done it before and who were just learning what the international level is because it's a different ball game. So Diane had done it, but we had the other two. So it was a young team, and hopefully we can build on that for next time. Um, Katie, can you explain a little bit about um, everyone was driving these leased horses and how hard it is to work with these drivers who actually you haven't worked with other than myself um, before? So I have been to four world championships. My sister, who is a world champion um, gold medalist, has been to four or five world championships. We 
take our own horses. We don't borrow horses and take them to just one show. If we do lease horses, we go over, we spend a summer. So what we're asking the disabled drivers to do is hard. It's really hard. So you're taking an animal, you're getting to drive it for a week, maybe 10 days if you're lucky, learn the animal, and then compete at an international level, at a world championship. It's not an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 those world championships. I mean, you've been involved since 1998, I think, with the paraquestrian driving. And can you talk a little bit about the the how the quality has changed um, and the the level of competition itself? Oh, the level has come up so much. There are better animals, much better adaptive equipment, and um, you know, frankly, now we're showing at major international shows. It is no longer just the para at a show themselves, it now seems to be really linked with a major international show. I mean, all the foreign hands were at that show, and how great was that for everybody to see? And they were out there <laughs> cheering everyone on, too. <laughs> and and, and our, our drivers at these uh, world championships, they're, I, I mean, they're using the exact same hazards, exact same cones, course, exact same dressage fields of these foreign hands. Um, and these, the foreign hands, they were having their national championships at the same time, right? Yes, it was the Dutch national championships, which um, Ice Branchard on won. Right. <laughs> which was so, very nice to see. For, for the audience members, they may not realize, but Diane was actually on the team. <laughs> so, and, how, and Diane, how did you do there? Um, I finished in the middle of the pack um, this year. Usually at the World Championships, um, they've awarded medals for grade one and grade two drivers, as they do with the paraquestrian riding. And um, for whatever reason, this year they just awarded one medal. They combined both the grade one and the grade two classes. So... Um, mm which was a little bit more difficult. So you had your more grade one being the more disabled was competing mm -hmm. directly with the other grades. So, um, and it was hard. Unfair. <laughs> and it was hard. unfair for them to do that. <laughs> Is the previous two world championships, I'd actually taken my own horse. Um, mm -hmm. And so it, it was hard again to, to lease a horse and, drive I mean I drove her like six times and she was an outstanding horse she had just actually competed in the foreign hand uh, world championships as the leader of uh, Joe Yoder's team in Raisinback oh, wow. Germany oh, wow. so this was the quality of the horses we had to borrow wow and, and Katie as the chef as, as the coach how do you prepare these these drivers? Because I know in, in paradisage, we used to do borrowed horses up until this year. This year, it's all, now you have to use your own horses for everything. And how, how did you prepare these drivers for these new horses? I guess, was there a time period before that you got to know these horses? Tell me about that. Some of the horses I actually knew because I spent a lot of summers at Costa Ron. And then other mm -hmm. ones, um, uh, because of, how I drive, I'm good at figuring out quickly how to get the best out of the horse, and I think um, mm -hmm. that's kind of my specialty is to go in with these, these drivers and say, okay, this is how you need to drive to get the most out of this horse, even though you only have a few days to learn the horse. 
So it wow. really, yeah, it's it's a hard job. They they have a large task in front of them. So we're saying, here you are, here's a new horse, here's some new equipment, because we have to be pretty quick, too, as far as European equipment at adapting things. So you've mm-hmm. got to, some people will bring their own reins or such, that kind of equipment, but carriages, we need to adapt brake pedals, um, you know, those kind of small things make a huge difference in mm-hmm. the power driver's ability to compete. Oh, yeah, and then, and then go out there and compete and do cones and dressage in addition to the marathon. Yes. Wow. That's, that's an, I know that was a, that was always something we had to work on with the borrowing horses with dressage, with the adaptive equipment, and because the riders couldn't always bring everything with them because certain saddles only work on certain horses, so we had to adapt those kinds of items. So yeah, I completely understand what, you, what you're talking about. And like in my particular case, I shipped my own carriage because I have an adapted seat and everything, and I have a handbrake, though, that I can't use. And most mm-hmm. horse driving horses are used to the brake being used. My horses my that I drive, I mean, they've, they've gotten used to the fact that I hardly ever use the brake. But mm-hmm. um, And so that was a big thing, and I had to teach my groom, who didn't normally ride with me, when to use the brake for the horse because the horse I was driving really expected it. And so Katie was very helpful with a lot of that because since also I'm not used to using the brake, she was yelling, use it now, now, too late, <laughs> earlier, sooner, more. And, and, and as, a, um, as one of the drivers, we have to pretty much just buy into the fact that Basically, this is what Kitty does, and she can figure these horses out. And however she tells us to drive them, we have to drive them, even if it's not the way we normally drive. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to buy buy into that and accept it as fact. Well, you have to have a lot of trust <laughs> and a lot of faith in the situation because yeah. you're being told, oh, it's okay, drive this horse even though you don't know it. And I'd like you to gallop into this hazard and make the turn. So don't worry about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> yes, yeah, a lot of and, and, yes. Were these horses used for for pair driving before or no? Uh, yes, the one. Well, the one that Diane had was the one that, that Joe Yoder had used to lead of the team, and right. Coase had also competed that horse. The other one uh-huh. um, had been used at Coase in Coase's team at the indoors and was with a. I think Hungarian driver in a pair. And the last one, the pony, um, was Kosa's daughter's pony. So it had done everything. It had not competed advanced, but it had done all the driving shows with his daughter and riding. And actually, I think it is going this year to the Pony World Championships with an Australian driver. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. That was a nice pony, but they hadn't been used. They were competitive driving horses, but they hadn't been used with para drivers before. No, never with para drivers. Wow, wow. They were just very well behaved, very well trained horses. Because you know they have to wait a little longer while we get people Mm -hmm. in carriages, and you know there's some things that the horses have to learn a little more too. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they all adapted well to the drivers. Wow. Have you seen a big difference, um, I guess, in Europe versus in the United States with with the paraquestrian drivers as far as the numbers of people? 
there are a lot more drivers in Europe. In in Holland and in um, Germany, you see them a lot at open shows, competing mm-hmm. at advanced, so competing mm-hmm. at a top level. And actually, they have enough drivers that they will have specific para divisions, and we don't have that here. Wow. Wow. And what do you think? What do you think we're kind of lacking in the United States uh, from you know for for this discipline? What do we need to get to that point? Well, again, it's the same issue that all drivers have. We're a big country, so it's hard to get everyone mm-hmm. together. I mean, as Diane mm-hmm. said, she's on one coast and we're on this coast, so that makes it hard. And um, mm-hmm. then you just, I think that there isn't always people don't know about it, which again, Diane's working on. And we don't have the pool to choose from. So if we could get more people out there, mm-hmm. that's our big thing. And, oh, yeah. and at least here um, in in the West and in California, we are starting to see more and more um, para drivers. Like we had five um, at a show in May in California, and we had three at another one. And uh, yes, and it's across all the different levels. We in driving, we have training, preliminary, intermediate, and advanced. For those who don't know, and these drivers were at all these different levels. But to me, that was exciting that there was actually five at one show. Yeah. We'll build this pool of of drivers. Well, Katie, we, I really want to thank you for coming on the show today with Diane and giving your input on on para driving. No problem. I wanted to say, I guess, a good retirement to Barbara Grassmeyer and her horse, Nebus, her mare. They are both retiring from international competition. Barbara is a two-time Paralympian, and she's decided that it is time, her horse is a little older, and it's time to kind of sit sit back, let the others do their thing, and she's going to be working now from off the horse. She's going to be working on the ground with, with para dressage, and of course, she'll still compete nationally, but not internationally. I want to thank Diane Kasama for coming on the show today. You're welcome. It was a lot of fun. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can learn more about the United States Paraquestrian Association at USPEA.org and on Facebook. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And have a great week, everybody.